Hi, and welcome to the Tea with NSP, the most glamorous queer podcast out there. I'm Morgan, third year student and co-chair of National Student Pride. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thank you as ever to our amazing sponsors for enabling NSP and our tea. Lloyd's Banking Group have been a major sponsor of the event since 2016, not only showing their commitment to our community, but also placing great importance on mental health in the workplace, notably in their amazing Play for Positivity breakout space at our 2020 event. This year they have designed the Feel Good Fest, an online experience for students to connect, create, explore and ultimately bring a smile to many faces after a difficult year. Feel Good Fest is live at www.explorelbg.co.uk. Thank you Lloyds for your continued support. If you're just tuning in to us now, what are you doing starting here? This is episode 4 of The Tea with NSP and this week we have the incredibly talented Ollie Pike here to talk about his time in the theatre, what it was like growing up gay, and understanding the wider LGBTQ community. Stick around to the end to find out which activist is our next guest of honour next week. And if you're still here, thanks for waiting. Now, let's get things moving. Okay, hi, welcome to the new National Student Pride podcast. Um, I'm Dan, and this here is my good friend, David. Hey. Now, this episode has a very special guest, um, the LGBT activist, author, illustrator, and content creator, Ollie Pike. Um, welcome to Student Pride, Ollie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think just to, to start off, um, for all of us on the same page, as you're probably aware, this year has been quite mental for everyone. So how's, how's it been um, for you? Been, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're all in the same boat. It's actually been okay for me because, like, most of my work is online anyway, and I've always worked from home, mm-hmm. so my kind of, like, daily routine didn't change too much. Um, but some of my, like, outside of my homework, like, engagements changed. Like, it meant I couldn't go into schools and I couldn't go into, like, corporate places and I couldn't go to, like, events and... Um, which is a shame because it's like a huge part of my work. Um, but, you know, everything got moved online like we're doing now and it's, you know, it works. I mean, I love that positivity. The, I had that in lockdown one, not so much that's lockdown. Sure. <laughs> so I was also kind of wanting to like bring it back a wee bit, Ollie, and think about, um, I guess you at like that 16, 17, 18 and like what, what was school like for you? Um, yeah, it was actually okay. Um, I had a nice time at school, uh, I had lots of friends. Um, the only thing which I found hard was I never felt like I was being my genuine self. Um, mm. And I felt like I was always hiding something and always trying to cover up my um, queerness. And I think that's something that a lot of LGBT plus people resonate with growing up. It's like we're constantly filtering ourselves, constantly like, um, adjusting what we say and how we act, not to give the game away. Were you kind of in the closet, I guess, for the old-fashioned term, um, throughout your whole kind of school life? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't really come out until I was, like, like uni, even though I didn't go to uni. Mm-hmm. It was like a drama theatre school. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't really come out until I was, like, 18 and had left home. So, yeah, my whole childhood was a little bit... Um, 
I don't say dishonest, but I wasn't 100% being myself. So one of the things that I, I kind of read and just kind of read about was that you come from a religious family. Like, do you think that that brings its own kind of like pressures? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was quite difficult. Not that my parents, like my parents are great. I, it was just difficult for everyone because it's like, oh, my parents really want to support me. But then, you know, we all believe this thing. And it's like, oh, what do we do? Yeah, it's just a difficult situation because when it comes to religion, I feel like religion is probably one of the few things that is super black and white <laughs> about LGBT plus issues. It's like you can't be gay. Like they, It's like written. It's so strange because I, I, I went to a Catholic school and... Um... But it was a sort of like, they tried to like kind of open that up, do you know what I mean? I've been like, oh yeah, you can be gay and Catholic. And I'm like, I don't think you can. There's quite a lot here that, that says says against it. And like, I think you, you can definitely be gay and religious. Um, it's just more so, it's not necessarily, I don't know, I'm going to get very deep now. Um, it's not necessarily <laughs> like God or whatever you believe in, but it's kind of like how you, like humans' interpretation of, of what religion is, is kind of what's what the problem is and I saw something really interesting the other day it's like you know God created like the time and the universe um I don't think he's a micromanager I don't think he's like you can't you can't have sex with men <laughs> after like doing all these, these crazy things so yeah, he's got bigger things to worry about yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah. you said you didn't come out until slightly later and do you think it was anything to do with that religious side of things or do you think it was the school environment or what, like, what do you think it was? I think it was the timing as well, because I'm actually um, 34. So I was a teenager kind of like throughout like the end of the 90s and early noughties. And I, I think it was a hugely different time back then for like LGBT plus people. Like we were only just starting to see, like I say, positive representation on, in the media. It, it wasn't, it's not like we have now, like, you know, we have Netflix and there's loads of queer characters just slotted in and it's like, in some cases, not that big a deal that there's LGBT plus people mm. in our media, but definitely back in, you know, 97, 98, 99, queer people were, they was around, but they were often like the butt of the jokes on TV and it just wasn't a comfortable comfortable uh, place for for queer people, I don't think, mm. back then. And so, so I, I wasn't comfortable to come out. I was only actually when I left home and went to like theatre school I was suddenly surrounded by other uh, gay people that I was like, oh, gay people do exist and they are happy. Can I ask that about, like, was that a kind of like a big thing for you, like coming from school, going into university? Like, did you have that very classic kind of LGBT uh, thing of like kind of finding yourself as you went to uni? Yeah, like an awakening. And it, I don't know whether it was finding myself, but it was like finding my tribe. And it was like, oh, <laughs> okay, this is this is going to be all right. Yeah, I think for some people, that's why uni and uh, colleges is, is so important because it's that chance just to step out of their bubble that they grew up in and, and mm -hmm. just meet other people and, and find out where they fit in a way. Yeah, I guess a lot of it is just carving your own space at some point as well, because if you've not had that, you know, you have to make, you have to make it for yourself within what's already mm. existing. Yeah. And I felt, I felt quite torn actually, because going back to like the religion, I, I was kind of like brought, brought up in this religious environment and, you know, it was an important part of my life. And um, I kind of went to uni thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm still going to find a church and I'm going to 
that's going to still be a really like integral part of my life but it, it really did kind of like slip away and I don't know I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but it just I don't know it just did it just did yeah like when you look back in in kind of school when they started university like do you kind of see that kind of lack of LGBT education is is, is something that you noticed at the time I don't think I noticed it at the time because it was just normal that you didn't talk about gay people. Mm. The only time you saw gay people or any queer people was when they were the butt of jokes in the sitcoms mm. and, and and things. Um, or like really over-sensationalised dramatic storylines on like Hollyoaks, which just made it really awkward for everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't really notice a lack of it because I didn't know that I needed it. But looking back now, it's like, oh my gosh, if I could have had the videos and books that I'm creating currently, oh, life would have been so different, not just for me, but like for my classmates, like they would have learned about it at the same time as me. And, you know, we all would have just grown up with a different perspective. Is that where that kind of like big push comes from then? Like for you especially, of, of like wanting to push that education out there? It's not the only thing that inspired me, um, but it's definitely one of the factors. Um, my because my background is like in in theatre and children's entertainment and children's television, uh, and I just love that world. I just love creating content for kids. Um, so I just kind of followed that, and after a while, started making my own content on YouTube. And then after a while, I started introducing LGBT plus characters into these videos, and and it started taking off. And and then I found out schools were using them. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Um, so that so that was a factor, just the fact that I love creating content um, for kids. But then also, yeah, when I found out that my videos were being used in school, I, I, I thought back to my school days and I was like, actually, yeah, this is great because this is what I needed when I was at school and I needed all of my classmates to watch. Um, and I think the other thing that inspired me to start creating it is just my own experience of homophobia as an adult. It's like, oh, okay, where does... Where does homophobia come from? Because like, yeah, I guess it is in school um, as much as you know, we don't like to admit it sometimes, but the things that you are taught pre-18, like that environment and the sort of the culture that you're brought up in, that kind of forms your path for the rest of your life, essentially. It's so hard to unlearn all of that. And I think um, that is what's so mm. great about all of these books and videos that you have is that it does create that healthy environment yeah. for people, I guess, when they're at their most impressionable. Exactly. And actually studies show that, you know, it's actually the first like three to four years of a child's life when they, when they form most of their uh, kind of like impressions about things and values. And I think we often overlook that time as unimportant time because it's like, oh, you know, a human's just learning to like walk and speak at that age. Like they're surely not forming opinions about society, but actually, no, they are. Um, and that's why we need to chill, teach children as soon as, as soon as we can about diversity yeah. and about different types of people and different families and different relationships. And I think especially at that point, because everyone is born, you know, as a, as a clean page, like a, like a clean slate blank page mm. that um, like, no, like no one's born with, these homophobic ideas that end up you know, coming from coming from somewhere. There's been, there's been countless studies as well about children not being born prejudiced. Um, so we know that it's a learned behaviour. Um, 
So we just have to make sure that it's not ever learned. <laughs> it's such a quickly learn behaviour, though. Like I remember, I'm, I'm 29, so you know, still in the very homophobic <laughs> times, um, and how quickly like gay became a slur in school. Like I can remember it from very early primary school of it, it being a thing. Um, what, what was the kind of feedback you got from like the parents when when you started kind of like releasing these books? It was kind of it was kind of like different phases because it's like I started on YouTube and it's like I was in this tiny little bubble of people that found me and the people that found me were like queer parents or queer teachers and people that loved it and it was like ninety percent positive. But then over the years, as I kind of started to grow and uh, my work was like reaching wider audiences, I uh, yeah, I've had like massive criticism and trolled in and death threats <laughs> um but uh most i'd say mostly positive i'd say like 90 percent positive but every now and again there's like a there's a, a debate or something or someone gets really offended by my little cute cartoon characters being gay <laughs> but i guess you just have to kind of like laugh at it and, and... i just gotta say how do you deal with that because that's such a common thing that we like come up with these podcasts when you hear people that are LGBT and, and the limelight, like the trolling thing is quite hard. Um, like how, how do you deal with it? I feel like the past couple of years has actually been fine and I've not really had too much trolling, like the occasional thing. Um, but there was a time, it was like back at the beginning of 2017. And I don't know whether it's because, you know, this is very current right now, but like the population and, and people... Um, people's opinions and confidence grows as political. There are political shifts. And I don't know whether it was the timing of the beginning of 2017, um, but I just got torn apart on YouTube um, because I'd released a video the previous year about gender pronouns. Just, it was a very like simple, cute, non-offensive video, just say, just explaining what uh, like gender pronouns are and how some people... Um, might want to change them or and just how you know we should just respect everyone uh, everyone's pronouns and um yeah I literally had about 20 YouTube videos made about me just calling me like a sexual predator and um how I was like brainwashing and corrupting children and that was the first time anything like that had ever happened and it was really hard to kind of like process and deal with yeah not easy but you know it happened and if anything I got a hell of a lot of YouTube views that month so <laughs> that was good <laughs> well I think it taught me just to take everything with a pinch of salt so now whenever I get kind of like trolled or like people hating on me I just kind of like message that person I'm like just to let you know I'm donating a book on your behalf to a school and I sometimes even write their names on the donation slip which is quite uh, cathartic <laughs> I probably yeah. shouldn't do that, but... Kill them with kindness. I've actually donated some books on behalf of um, kind of a well-known anti-trans person in the UK who's, like, always on the TV. They're always um, hating on trans people. And I made, a, I made like, a video about something trans-related and they just started, like, really trolling me and hating me. And then I just let them know I've donated 10 copies of my uh, Transgender Cinderella story to UK primary schools. And I actually wrote their name on the donation slip. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, um, I wish they paid for them as well, but you know, you yeah. can't, you can't win everything. <laughs> you can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I think you're completely right about the that time did shift a little bit. Like, I think there was a whole kind of like cultural war type thing building up. I mean, I know that it's gone, obviously, but like, I felt like it was really bad, especially after 2016. Yeah, um, and it was a shame because it did scare me. And it made me really hold back, I think, for a, for a long time. Because I was like, if I'm honest, I was like, I don't, I, I'm worried about putting out trans stuff because it was, that's what caused the backlash. And it took me a while to kind of build my confidence back up and be like, no, like, I need to support trans people and I need to support trans people in my work. Um, but it, it just goes to show that, that it's like, people who support trans rights can easily be um, scared mm-hmm. into like, not. You know, I come from quite a, it's, it's the nicest way of putting it, like internalised homophobia background when it comes to, to being a part of the LGBT community. And that was the kind of thing that like bucked that up of like, actually, no, this is happening to a whole group again. Do you know what I mean? Like from what I saw like, when I was growing up, it's just happening again. Like you need to either help a little bit or or say something. Yeah. And I, actually, if anything, it just kind of me really think about what I'm putting out and how it stands up against criticism. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that everything I put out there, even though it's designed for kids, that actually it's factual and it's also open and it's not saying this is my opinion and this is what you should think. I think what I really pride myself on my content is that I just kind of like deliver the information and I go, well, this is the information, you know, you might think this, but you might think something else. Like, it's kind of up to you to make up your own mind about this. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could all be kind to each other? And I, I feel like that's kind of at the heart of my work. And I think that, you know, should be what education is as well. You know, the facts there. And then, you know, you have the ability to take that and turn those into your own ideas rather than ideas, you know, sort of being forced down your throat, I guess. Yeah. And we want kids to question things. Because, mm, you yeah. know, we want to progress as a race. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we need them to question things. I guess that's the thing with, um, like you said, when you have the, the backlash, everything that you're doing now is to hopefully put, you know, a stop to that. It's about inspiring it them to make a positive difference in the world when they get older. Because when I go in and talk to the kids, it's like, I'll show them some of my stories and... Um, one of my stories is about a prince who um, wanted to marry his, like, servant, but the king gets really uh, annoyed because he's like, you can't marry your servant because he's poor. And it's not because he's a boy. He's just like, no, like, you're, <laughs> you, you're a prince. You have to marry another prince or another princess. Um, and that story kind of looks at the idea of laws and if we can change laws. And that's just like the little make-believe story. But then I kind of talk to the kids and I'm like, you know, what laws have we had in our world that have changed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had like the, the women's movement with the suffragettes. We had like the civil rights movement. Like laws were changed then, and, and then we also had laws changed um, for same-sex marriage. So, yes, we have laws to keep us safe, and laws can be important. But also, sometimes laws exist which aren't fair. And uh, what can we do when laws exist which we don't think are fair? And it's and it's about inspiring them to to really question i guess our society and whether we can make a difference if we think something is unjust one of the things i was going to ask is like do do you see that the kind of parents get educated with these things as well Mm, yeah i think 
I think what's great about some of my content is that you're educating the parent at the same time because a lot of the time the parents will know the same amount as the child um, which is not much so actually it's quite nice for the parent and the child to be able to learn the same thing at the same time in a very like family friendly gentle way I think sometimes parents get all scared about what's going to be in my content um, I think LGBT plus people perhaps have been unfairly, I don't know if unfairly is the word, but unfairly sexualized um, in terms of like just our existence. It's like a lot of perhaps people when they hear the word LGBT plus, they just think of like, oh, that's like a sex community. Like that's kind of what identifies them. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not. So, so when uh, you say you're teaching children about LGBT plus, they're like, oh my gosh, you're teaching them about like queer sex. And it's like, no, we're not. That's like the last thing we'd like, we'd never we'd never do that not at primary age mm -hmm. yeah um we're just You're teaching like, them about take them to a gay club <laughs> yeah no it's like we're just teaching them about you know different relationships and i think that's something else that's quite important as well because a lot of people see you know education as school and you know what you learn in that and like those hours of nine to three every day you know but when it comes to well children's education like you rightly say it does it does start at home as well and a lot mm -hmm. of the ideas you get you know when you're in school you have your set lessons but everything you learn about relationships and life in general that does come from you know your parents or guardians yeah, so, yeah. and it comes from tv and media and youtube and things you read in books it comes from disney movies like mm -hmm. we're all constantly taking in um references to how society should be so that's why it's really important that yeah. there's queer queer representation in, in, yeah. in everyone's media, in, including kids' media. Because subconsciously, you know, whatever you're taking in, there are parallels everywhere to real life, like you said, when it comes to, you know, the the laws and that sort of stuff. You, know, you might read it in a book and you've got the cartoon characters there, but like I said, you can draw it back to real life and these things happen and that's, and that, and that's how it is. And you don't have to draw it back. Like with the really younger ones i'll just read the story and it's just a little yeah. book about gay princes cute but with the older kids it's like well actually no we can take this further you kind of come from the back and you did like was it a big kind of education thing that you had to do yourself to kind of get there like oh was that just kind of like a learned thing as you kind of grew up i've truly learned what it's meant to be a queer person and an lgbt plus person i'd say only just over the last five years since before mm. that yes i was gay but i didn't know what it meant to be gay and if anything I was possibly a little bit ashamed of my gay identity and was very wanted to be very heteronormative heteronormative I, I worked in theatre it's weird looking back now because you think oh theatre it must be the most LGBT plus inclusive place but actually from being really honest theatre is biphobic and transphobic in my in my experience there was so many gay guys there was a lot of straight girls but if there was a person that was maybe bi, they were just like frowned upon and it w there wasn't space for them there. So no space for trans people, no space for non-binary people. No, no I mean, <laughs> um, I, I come from a, from a dance background as well, so I completely understand. Like, did you find it was like, no... you know, I'm doing air quotations, like straight guys that were maybe dating a girl, but, you know, there'd been a rumour that he'd been with a guy and it was like, oh, that's so much drama. Yeah, like, and that, but, but that's the thing is... When it, come, when it comes to that as well, those things, you think, okay, well, you know, he's in 
he's in the theatre, so he, he must have, you know. Mm, yeah. And, yeah um, but yeah, no, like like you rightly say, there was it was always straight, um, mostly straight girls, and within that, there were there was maybe one or two um, gay men. I think dance in general is again a lot less representative than theatre as a whole no but that that was you know six seven years ago like i'm i'm sure there's a a lot more understanding now uh, i'd like to think but i'm just i'm just talking from my my personal experience the thing i was going to say is that i think we've all experienced it's something i don't think it's talked about a lot of like the discrimination within the community itself every single podcast we've talked about it's the exact same thing um about the way that some gay men or gay women are, can be quite, you know, gatekeeper Because some of the, the worst, uh, I guess, like discrimination I've ever had or, or, or kind of abuse I've ever had has been by other gay men. And I don't think we ever really like talk about it very much. We always just kind of sort of like, everything's fine and we're all one big happy family. And it's like, actually, you know, we could sort the dishes out here as well. Um, but did, you, like, did you find that as well, like outside of theatre? I have to say, like, since I left the theatre, I've kind of like... I kind of went into this this world that I'm in now, and 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 just getting touching on your last question as well. That this is the, the last five years is where I've really learned what it's meant to be part of the LGBT plus community because I've just met so many letters <laughs> and people and heard experiences and had people talk and it's where you it's where I've just learned you know a greater empathy for people people's experiences. I'm I'm drawn more to kind of like the full LGBT plus community. I, I I occasionally like go out just to like gay clubs and, and things like that. But I, I wouldn't say I'd spend, I spend more time being in the LGBT plus community with lesbians and gays and bi's and trans and uh, intersex people and asexual people, as opposed to just being in a, in a, a gay box. Whereas before I was definitely just in like a, a gay box. So we get very deep for, you know, in yeah, the morning. sorry. <laughs> on a, on a, I guess a kind of nicer point, like, was there any moments that through, you know, this whole kind of business and teaching kids that, that like, really, really stand out and that you're really proud of? Um, oh, yeah, so many. Um, just get, I just get so many, like, wonderful messages from, you know, parents saying how, like, my books and videos have helped their kids and or teachers when they send me pictures and they're, like, showing the class, like, my videos and, you know, what children have said and written one moment that stands out is when a kid came up to me and they had a copy of my book Jamie which is my transgender Cinderella book and they were like oh my gosh thank you so much for writing this book because my name is Jamie and this book is about me I'm trans and I was like oh oh my gosh you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah no that was a really touching moment and there's been lots of moments like that which you know I forget too easily because sometimes it is easier to focus on the negativity and the criticism as we all know and and, uh, we we forget the positivity and and the people we've helped that must be such a kind of like rewarding experience like the the thing that you do for work is kind of giving these kids something like really special but is there anything that you think we could do or we should be doing like for if you know I don't know about me, but eventually some people will have kids. And like, is there anything that you think you should do to help kids at that age that you can do in the house? Um, yeah, everyone could buy copies of my books. That would be really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, one. it would be really helpful. Yeah. You, it doesn't just have to be my books. It can be any yeah. queer books. 
you just have to constantly share representation with them about different people like get them books get them watching diverse movies and you know books and videos are great but it it speaks so much more when when you can actually meet someone who's different from you and see their face and and have a conversation with them i guess that's that's something that i never had growing up I can't remember ever having a conversation about like race or class. So that's the question we always ask in the podcast is if you could go back to, you know, 17-year-old Ollie, is is there anything that you would do differently? I like I'm so I'm so happy where I am right now. I'm like this is where I'm meant to be right now. This is what I'm meant to be doing. So I don't know if I'd want to change anything. I don't know. I think I'd just be like just be kinder and try and help more people. <laughs> that's probably what I would say, I even though I, I probably did that, but I think when you're 17, you you feel like you have a lot to prove, and I think you're very ego driven, and it's about you and where you're going and what you're gonna you're gonna achieve. And actually, now I'm older, I've learned that actually we benefit more when we serve other people. You hear about it all the time, don't you? On like TV shows and stuff, like oh, you think you you know everything when you're 18, and you're like, yeah, they might, but no, me, I do actually know everything. And then you look like. <laughs> 10 years later and you're like, Jesus Christ, why did you do that? That's all I've got, uh, Ollie. So I have this campaign. I'm going to plug something now. This is exactly what I was about to ask, so go for it. Yeah. Um, so I have like a bit of a campaign where I'm trying to get a copy of my latest LGBT plus inclusive book into every single primary school in the UK. Um, and it's called Kenny Lives. Uh, Kenny Lives with Erica and Martina. Um, so if you fancy, you can go to lgbteducation.co.uk and you can donate a copy of the book to your old primary school. Um, so and there's like approximately twenty thousand primary schools in the UK, and so far we sent a book to about three thousand. So, wow. you know we're getting there. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then you can check out the rest of my work at popandolly.com, and and on there there's like books. Um, there's also links to the free videos. You know all the videos are free on YouTube, and there's also some free like uh, classroom resources on there as well. Amazing! Thanks so much, Ollie, and thanks so much for doing this absolute star. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Some of Ollie's stories are so inspiring. It's so lovely to have such a bright and fun character on the show. Next week, I'll be joined by beautiful Charlie Craggs, here to talk about transphobia within society, growing up at a fashion college and body image. Lucky you, even more of my voice. Thanks for listening to The Tea with MSP. And don't forget, tickets for our week-long event commencing April 19th are now available on our website, studentpride.co.uk. And now we've got all that wrapped up, I'll see you next week for more of my soothing rambles. Because of course, we all know you love my voice. (laughs) Bye.